Today, the Commission has decided to fine Google 2.4 billion euros. Some of the most successful companies doing their business in Europe, they have used their market power to make life more difficult for the small guy. That is not fair. But you forced them to pay 2 billion dollars, right? Yeah, 2.4 <laughs> euros, actually. The AI Act is not about technology. The AI must not discriminate you. And that is where the AI Act comes in. But we don't want to use AI as the Chinese would be doing it. Leave it to the Chinese to be the Chinese. We're not good at it. I think we need to trust much more in our European model. Europe is the best place to live ever on this planet. <laughs> Okay. How school should look like in the future? The first thing is not to kill curiosity. You think curiosity is killed for now? I think it happens, you know. So you think ChatGPT should be allowed in the schools more? First question. First question. Who are you? So not in the existential way. No. <laughs> okay. No, I tell you, uh, my name is Magda Vistaya. I have been working in the commission for almost 10 years. I, uh, my responsibility is competition. So to make sure that the market works for you and that big businesses with big power, they just don't take the whole thing for themselves. And uh, my second job is everything digital to make sure that we make the most of artificial intelligence, of uh, all the things that digitization can do, make our life easier, make it better. And uh, then I'm the mother of three girls. Wow. And a very proud grandmother. Oh, yes. amazing. That's the biggest achievement. It's the biggest achievement. <laughs> It's the biggest achievement. So uh, I had a person previously on my podcast and he was saying one thing about the AI regulation, about the recent mm -hmm. one that it passed. And he said that it's maybe not the best for Europe because it might be limiting small business for uh, ex exploring the AI future and it's kind of maybe makes the biggest tech companies thrive more. Uh, what is your response to him? Well, we have been thinking about this from the very first day because it's an absolutely important thing because Europe is basically a lot, a lot, a lot of small businesses, you know, millions of small businesses. And when we want them to thrive, we need to give them opportunities. And this is why the AI Act is not about technology. It doesn't touch the technology because that will keep, you know, developing. Next generation of, uh, of AI is, I don't know, coming up as we speak. What we do is we say, if you use it, uh, for instance, to sort out applicants for a job, If you want to get into university, if you want to have a mortgage, if you want to have an insurance, the AI must not discriminate you. It cannot sort of risk that you cannot get all the things that makes your life worthwhile, having a roof over your head. And, and that is where, where the AI Act comes in, not in all the many, many, many other use cases. Okay. Uh But what uh, a lot of people can say, what if we limit ourselves as Europe and then we out get outcompeted by United States, China and all these countries? What do you think about this? But, you know, we're Europe. Europe is the best place to live ever on this planet. <laughs> and okay. in particular, if you're a woman, okay. it, cannot, it cannot be done better. And the second thing is we would be so poor Chinese I think leave it to the Chinese to be the Chinese. We're not good at it. I think we need to trust much more in our European model. And the European model is built on 
people uh, having welfare, that we work for social justice, that we enable people to trust the governments, uh, you know, what authorities are doing, and that they can trust that technology is used in a way that actually serves them. You know, this is a European model. And I think we should believe in the strength of that model because it has served us really well so far. Okay, interesting. So you don't think it's a threat, other countries developing AI is a threat to Europe? We need to stick to our guns and do what we do so far. Well, I think we should look at it as a huge challenge. But we don't want to use AI as the Chinese would be doing it. Uh, actually, we want it to be forbidden for a state to, to do a social scoring system using AI. You know, the sort of surveillance of people saying you cannot do this because we saw you do something that you shouldn't have done. Um, of course, we want to compete with the Americans, but we should see this as a challenge instead of saying, oh, no, Europe is behind. Actually, in many, many instances, we could. You know, we have many innovators, we have many engineers, we have really clever people who push forward, uh, make amazing things within uh, pharma, within health, within uh, the green technology. Uh, I think we should, you know, be a bit more proud of what Europe produces. Uh, you have a background in education, mm -hmm. right? And I'm curious to hear your thoughts on how school should look like in the future. Well, I think the first thing is not to kill curiosity. Okay, you think curiosity is killed for now? I think it happens, you know, on a casual Tuesday. Okay, maybe it's not really encouraged <laughs> okay. to ask, you know, unwelcome questions uh, to explore. Uh, because it's very difficult to, to sort of decide now what the future will bring, so what you should learn. So, of course, you should learn, you know, read, write, language, basics, science. But you also need to nurture curiosity, to be innovative, to think out of the box, to work with other people. I think it's really important that schools give you more uh, social competences, personal competences, uh, and give you sort of the confidence that you can change the world when you work with other people. Combine that with, you know, hard competence in science, in, in languages, in math. You're good to go. Do you think some decisions that will be made here will affect directly uh, the, all the schools in Europe? Or do you think uh, is maybe it will, it will uh, other countries have, so rules, uh, have some rules that they are used to what they have already and it will not affect? Or do you think if some drastic change happens from here, it will affect the whole Europe? But you see that just the emergence of artificial intelligence is affecting every school in, in Europe because uh, those who lead the school, the teachers, they need to decide what role should AI have in my classroom? Uh, should students be allowed to use it? Should we change how we check uh, during exams? Uh, should you have more tests without any kind of technology uh, close to you? So a lot of questions are being asked to teachers, uh, to headmasters, and to pupils right now because technology becomes so immersive. So how to make sure that, uh, that we actually learn and that we're motivated to do so when you can just ask, you know, chat DBT for also quite complicated uh, questions and it will answer you. 
So you think ChatGPT should be allowed in the schools more? I think in some circumstance, yes, because working with AI will be a fact of future working life. So including internet, we need to have more internet and Wi-Fi and in the schools. Oh, yes, definitely. <laughs> I don't think that you should use technology everywhere, anytime, but, but you need to embrace it. Because I think no matter job, what job you will have in five, ten years, there will be AI somewhere. Okay, so I saw a lot of interviews of you and I understood that you are fighter in heart. <laughs> and also that you have a big responsibility, you feel a sense of responsibility to have equal the market mm -hmm. uh, and not the big tech and the huge companies taking advantage of the circumstances. How do you do that? And why you chose that this is your fight that you choose to fight? Well, first and foremost, you're more than welcome to have success in Europe. Build a company if your consumers like it and you grow, be successful. But with success also comes responsibility. And what we have seen in some of the most successful companies doing their business in Europe is that they have used their market power to make life more difficult for the small guy. And, and that is not fair. So now we are saying, listen, if you're very successful, you have a lot of market power, you have a lot of customers, you also have obligations. So you, uh, you need to share your data, you need to open for another app store, you need to open for side loading, you cannot self-promote your own products. And that reflects what we have seen in some of the cases I've had, for instance, against Google. So we found that, that Google... you forced them to pay two billion dollars, right? Yeah, 2.4 <laughs> euros, actually. And it was at the time where the euro was actually a bit higher than the dollar. Okay. So, you know, you know billions of, of euros in fines for not uh, living up to our laws to do something that is illegal. And that, of course, doesn't serve as well. So these companies, they should change their behavior to be, you know, sort of normal market participants to make sure that there's room for everyone who wants to compete against them. How many years it took you to fight this uh, battle with Google? Well, actually, it's not over yet. And I've been at it for 10 oh, years. So wow. this is why we keep pushing. Okay. Uh, a lot of people don't really understand what Europe is like, especially in my age, we have like, it's so complicated that I don't even know. I'm here and I still, I'm like, what is this? What is this? Can you like explain to people what's your day-to-day -day job and what are you doing? I can, but first and foremost, I don't think that one should have the ambition to understand everything. Okay, why not? Because, you know, <laughs> even, even your national democracy is complicated. Even your local municipality may have complicated procedures. And yet, you know, to some degree, we trust them and we rely on them to do a good job. So I don't think that one should be scared of voting by saying, oh, but I don't know how it really works. I think the important thing is to say, this is my passion. This is what I want to achieve with the people that I vote for. Uh, because when I, when I, you know, go to, to my office uh, on a daily basis, you know, I speak with my team, Uh, we may have a suspicion of someone who's doing something wrong because other people have written us to say this doesn't work for my business cannot thrive with the big guy doing this and this. And then we start collecting evidence. What might they have done wrong? So this is your day today. That is my day today. 
collecting kind of the data of what's current happening in the market and adjusting with regulations to prevent? Well, actually, no, we have the laws that we need. So when we find that we have sufficient evidence, and of course, we show that to the businesses and ask for their comments. But if we think they have done something illegal, then we can give them a fine. And, uh, and the second thing that we do is that if one company wants to buy another company, very often, all good and fine, go ahead. But in rare circumstances, actually, if, they, if one company buys the other, they buy their competitor, which means that there is one company less to give you a good product, to give you an affordable price. And that means that prices may go up. And then we have the power to say, mm, sorry, but you cannot buy that company because it doesn't serve consumers well. Okay, so that's the major part of your work. Are you doing other stuff as well? Yeah, the last point is to say, if your government wants to support a business, because not all businesses can have support, then you need to do it in a way so that other businesses are not worse off. Uh, for instance, during the pandemic, we were all at home, we could not travel, so the airline industry needed help. So we authorized the help that they got without them being, you know, uh, overcompensated for the damages that they suffered. Okay, so Europe paid them for the whole situation that happened. Actually, here it was member states, uh, but sometimes it's European funds, but, but those are technical details. Okay, so uh, I'm from Cyprus, a very small country in Europe, and uh, I think Cyprus benefited a lot from Europe because uh, do you think that's the situation for all the countries that are inside? Do you think every country is like benefiting huge or do you think some countries are benefiting maybe net positive, net negative being in, the Europe, in Europe? I think for everyone it's net positive. It may be that some countries pay more than they directly receive. Yes. But then they have the benefit of being part of the single market. They have the benefit of the research uh, that is being done. They have the benefit of uh, other member states doing something that is interesting where, where businesses in their country are subcontractors. So even though when you're sort of a net payer, I think actually it's very good for you. Okay. So... There is a lot of young people watching this mm -hmm. now. They are going to find a different world in a way in three, four, five years that they're going to enter the marketplace or if they're entering now. What is your advice to them of adjusting to the new circumstances of 2020? Well, I think the first thing is to be ambitious. Okay, don't like think, you. Don't think <laughs> I, will, I, will, I will now build my Cyprus business think I will build a European business okay. in order to build a global business. Because when things go digital, when you base your businesses on data, even if you produce you know, specific objects, don't think of yourself as a small guy. Think yourself as an ambitious person who wants to build at least a European business. Okay, so you are speaking to the business owners now. Yes, And but you, you're a business owner. Uh, yes, I am. But and, a lot uh, of people are not. So no, but about them entering the marketplace as employees and adjusting their skills and finding, do you have any advice for them? Well, of course, make, uh, make the most of your talents. Make sure that if there is an opportunity for more education, take that opportunity. 
uh, and of course work with other people. I think that is that is when we're strong. It is when we work with other people, but take as much education as possible and uh, be as ambitious as possible. Why are you doing what you are doing? <laughs> in, an, in another uh, life, uh, when I was just uh, very young, uh, I learned that it's a good day. You have spent a good day if you have enabled other people to have a good day. And uh, this means that I have had, you know, so many good days because I've been allowed to work in ways that enable other people, enable other people to have better education, enable other people for their businesses to thrive, enable other people to see that also the big guy pay their taxes. Um, and, you know, that is what gets me out of bed in the morning. Okay. That's uh, so you always been like that or in the recent years or when you got older you were fighting? No, no, I have always been like that. But when I was very young, for instance, in my school, you could not buy any food. Okay. So if you left home in a hurry with no breakfast, you would go hungry all day. Oh my God, such a big problem. And that's a problem. <laughs> It's a big problem because if you're hungry, you don't learn. Okay. So, you know, with uh, other pupils, uh, we made a small, it was not, they, I don't think the word cafe even existed in the Dan Danish language at the time, but we made a tiny, tiny shop and you could buy a small yogurt or juice or piece of bread, something like that, just get you through the day. Uh, so that was basically the first time when I experienced that if there is a problem and you work with other people, you can find a solution. So from back then. From back then. And you continue. So you always had this I kind always, of yeah. responsibility in your bag on your head to be useful to other people. Yes, this is my drive. And how did you go to this position that you are? Because you are in a very important not position. How do you? Uh, how ones get in this position? Well, the story of my life is that I have a huge difficulty in saying no. <laughs> Wow, okay, tell so, me more. So, <laughs> uh, actually, I had, I'm educated as an economist. And this was, okay, I will be an economist, I will find work. And then someone asked me, well, couldn't you think about running for the Danish parliament? And I thought, well, I'm very young. I was 21 at the time. Wow. But, um, but there was no risk of me being elected. So, you know, I could test it. I could try it out. So I said, yes, I'll do that. So I tested it and it was successful. I was not elected, uh, but I sort of, I got a taste of it. And then I uh, got- And you got no votes. I got very few votes. Okay. And that was but the plan. Encouraging but encouraging. But it was encouraging. Okay. And then I got involved in national politics. I became the sort of the organizational head of my party. Uh, I enabled- So you, you found interest from that moment. You are like, oh, this, is, this path is interesting. This is interesting. And then I was encouraged to run as the organizational head. I was still very young. I was 25. And I thought, well, why not? The worst thing that can happen is that I do not get elected. Of course, that hurts one's vanity, but I live. So I said, I'll try it. And I won. Oh. And then a couple of years later, I was asked, do you want to be the Minister of Education? And I said, well, I'm still very young. I wasn't even 30 yet. Uh, but I said, yeah, 
I know about education because I I just educated myself, so to speak. So I said, yes, I'll do that. And then one thing took the other because I kept saying, yes, I'll do that. The worst thing that can happen is not that bad. And here I am today. Okay. Uh, what do you think about um, young people not getting involved to politics, to run for office like you did? Like, I think if you see inside, it's like mostly old people. Uh, what do you think about it? Why do you think that is? I think it's really important that young people engage. And it can be in politics to at some day be a member of the European Parliament, but it can also be in... Uh, in supporting uh, nature conservation where you live, or it can be in engaging in enabling uh, homeless people to have food or have shelter. Um, for me, the important point is that you engage in something that is important also for other people. Because in my own experience, it's the engagement. It is doing things with other people that leads to things that you find is fulfilling, that you're passionate about, that you think makes sense to you. Very interesting. In my country, the statistics is like 48% of the people between 24 and 18 and 24, they, are not, they don't even have uh, electoral rights because they didn't went they to didn't sign. They didn't register. They didn't register. Why do you think that's uh, the case? And also the, another statistic is like, every elections of the European elections, less and less people are getting interested to vote as far as I understand. So why do you think uh, this phenomenon occurs? I think somebody makes the mistake to think that they are not important. That it doesn't matter. That why is my vote important? I'm just one person out of so many millions of people in the entire European Union and hundreds of thousands of people in my country. And I think that is a very serious mistake because everybody matters. Each and every one of us uh, matters. And, uh, and I think it's, it's one of the most important things that one can do. It is to register to vote, uh, to find someone that you will vote for, and then actually go vote. Um, and I find it, you know, really important because in some other countries they still have to fight for this right. They still have to fight to be recognized as someone who's as important as the next guy. So for me in Europe, the most important thing is that you realize me being a man or a woman, I am as important as you are. And because of that, my voice should be heard and therefore I vote. Do you think, uh, I will always wonder, who has kind of a lot of power in this world? Do you think you have, let's say, bigger power than a billionaire to change things uh, in your position that you are? Do you think the politicians have a lot of power in the world? Do you think billionaires? Do you think presidents? Like, who do you think has the power? Philosophers? I don't know, YouTubers? Who has the power, you think, to change a lot of things? Well, I think there are different kinds of power. Uh, I think you have power because you can make people think about things and you can make them change their opinion about things. Um, I have power uh, because for a period of time, you know, I can open a case against the company, say I have the suspicion that you have done something illegal, but that's a different kind of power. 
And the good thing in Europe is that every one of us can be criticized. Uh, a journalist can say, you're doing a bad job. You, you're not doing what you said you wanted to do. Uh, and I think that is healthy power when you accept that you can be criticized and eventually someone like me will have to hand over power because it's not, it's not mine. I don't own it. I has to give it on to the next person who will be doing my job. So you, you're saying that everyone has power but a different kind of power. Do you think you have a lot of power to change stuff if you want in Europe, in your position that you are? Yes, but only if I can make people agree with me. Tell and, me more. And I think that is really healthy. You know, if, if no one agrees with me, even in a high position, I have no power. If I overstep and misuse the power that I have, I will be taken down. And I think it's really important when you look at people in black cars with tinted windows and people who help them out. If they overstep, if they do the wrong thing, if people stop agreeing with them, they'll be out of that car. They will be out of office. And I, when I register to vote and I go down and vote, I have power too. Okay, so uh, do, are you going to uh, be also in the next uh, five years here in the parliament? or we Well, that remains to be seen because it depends on, uh, on, on, the, da on the Danish government. To uh, put you in Yes. The, and they can, right? If they, they want. They can, yes. If they want, they can. And they see kind of evaluate if you were useful and successful in what you do. And useful, uh, successful and uh, my political color your political color, which is very important. It's very important. So, okay. Uh, about these pol political things that you mentioned, you need to always make the people uh, agree with you. Do you think sometimes that can be a burden as well? Because maybe not everyone can understand what you mean. They don't have the information to understand what you mean. And then they don't agree with you, but you are in the inside and you understand a lot of things. Do you think that sometimes can be a burden? But I, th I think this is my task. You know, if I cannot make people understand what I think and what I want to achieve, it's my problem. It's not their problem. Okay, so uh, it's, uh, you don't think that's a problem. That's a good thing. That's a healthy thing to make. Uh, to I think it's a healthy thing, but of course, sometimes it's difficult. You know, I took a complex education. You know, some of the papers that we write are very difficult uh, to read. So, you know, sometimes in your head you need to say, well, what is it really that we want to say here? Because sometimes things are being hidden behind long words and abbreviations as if, as if it's actually written not to be understood. Do you think there is a stereotype of politician, like wearing good clothes and doing this, speaking in a certain way? Oh, I definitely think so. <laughs> But, you know, who wants to be a stereotype? You know, I want my sneakers, I want to wear my dresses, uh, because... I have a life. So you you are not agreeing with this stereotype. No, I do, I don't like I don't like a uniform. I think it also, you know, creeps into your head and make you think in a uniform manner. Ooh, interesting. So I have a couple of questions left which first is I give you one trillion dollars. Mm -hmm. How do you spend it to have maximum positive impact in the world? One trillion for maximum positive 
impact. You are rich, but not that rich. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a bit different. <laughs> um, I think um, actually you may think that this is trivial, but I would want every kid to have breakfast before they go to school. <laughs> Because if you have breakfast, you will learn and you will have a much better and much more fun day at school. Wow. I didn't thought that this would be the answer <laughs> when I asked this. No, but I'm, I'm, a, I'm a breakfast fundamentalist. I really think that it's important. Since your experience at school, it yes. seems that you created a special place just for <laughs> breakfast. Uh, the next question is, what is your relationship with my country? And I don't know, maybe the president of my country. Uh, do you have any relationship with Cyprus? I have a very good colleague from Cyprus, Stella Kiedakidis, yes, who is uh, an amazing woman uh, and a close friend of mine. I really admire her and, and everything that she's doing. Um, one of my first ever vacations when I traveled myself went to Cyprus uh, privately. So I think it's a beautiful country and I think it's an important country because one should not think of a country as small in Europe. One should think of it as also here as a country who has power, who is respected, who have a voice and who can vote. Yes, and especially now with the artificial intelligence. Exactly. A small country can be big. Yes. So it's interesting. So the last question. Are you ready? Yes. Bear with me. You are going to die after this podcast. Oh my God. Hypothetically. Okay, okay. 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 That <laughs> so, was a relief. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, get the car. Uh, so, if this was your last words, and maybe if you actually die in 50, 60 years, we can come back and look to this moment to see your last words, the last 40, 50 seconds of your life, what you are going to say to your family, maybe to the people, to the world. No, I would, I would just talk to my family because um, this, this is core. This is where you find, you know, that you can go out in the world and do stuff. You know, I, I am soon to be married for 30 years, a couple of months. I have three amazing daughters. Uh, the oldest one is married to an amazing man. Uh, they have the, their first child. He's called Jens. Um, this, this and then, of course, my extended family, my brothers, my sister, my parents, my husband's mom, you know. For me, the family is the core. I love them. Okay. So, thank you for your time. Oh, you are you amazing and a big inspiration. I wish... Thank you guys for watching. Yes, so, thank until you the very end. much. We love you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yeah, <laughs>